Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D from Coffee with Carrie. Welcome to season two of Coffee with Carrie podcast. It's such a privilege to do this adventure we call homeschooling with you. Thank you for tuning in again and walking this homeschooling journey with us. If you're new to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think you'll be encouraged. This podcast is a recording of our last session from our special weekend for homeschooling moms back in March. At the request of the moms in attendance, we recorded our session so we could share them with you here at Coffee with Carrie. If you like what you hear and want to read more about how to simplify your homeschooling and how to apply the simplification principle to your homeschooling as well, get my new book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. You can get it on Amazon. Now sit back and enjoy our last session. I hope you're encouraged. Hey, y'all. We are here at our last session of this weekend. It's been so much fun hanging out with each of you and even praying with some of you. And I love all the conversations I'm hearing at the tables and how you're encouraging and ministering to each other. This is what it's all about, right, ladies? And I'm so glad I got to spend this time with you this weekend. So let's get started on our final session, the simplification principle and how to use it in your homeschooling. I purposely save our how-to session for last. I love encouraging and building you up in the morning so that you're feeling refreshed and confident in God's plans for your family. Then we end our time together with some practical tips and simple tools to help you leave here ready to try new things, to tackle your homeschooling obstacles, and to finish the school year strong. So let's get started. Fish heads and stale breadcrumbs. That's what brought me to my knees. I knew I needed to make some changes in our homeschooling and I needed to simplify, but I was so overwhelmed and I didn't really know where to start or how to do it. When I read Matthew 14 and the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, I actually started crying. Good Lord, I only needed to feed three people, maybe four if I count myself, and I was failing miserably at doing that. I could relate to the frustration of the disciples, too. I could just hear it in their voices. But where, Lord? How will we feed all of these people? I'm sure they were beat tired, too. And if you read the story in context, you learn that the disciples had just returned from little mini mission trips. But in my heart, I could hear Jesus graciously saying, Just bring me your five loaves of bread and your two little fish, and I'll do the rest, Carrie. But I started crying again, because in all honesty, I didn't even have that. While in this fetal position, crying on the floor, I realized all I had left to give to Jesus and my family and my homeschooling group and my friends were just a couple of fish heads and some stale breadcrumbs. That's all I really had. But then my husband reminded me that I actually had much more than that. I was feeling useless and stupid and helpless but he reminded me of the things I did have to give. Through my husband, God reminded me of what I was good at, the gifts that God had given me. My husband proceeded to remind me that I was pretty organized. I was kind of funny. I was good at turning things into a game. I'm a really good cook, and I like to read to the kids. God, through my husband, reminded me that I did have some loaves of bread and a few fish I could offer after all and to give to him to use. 
All I needed to do was give them to God and then let God do the work through me, accomplishing his plans for my kids. So what are your loaves of bread or fish? Write, write down at least three things that you're good at, or at least three things that you can do. You don't even have to be good at them, but they're things that you can do. Now, use these three or four gifts or loaves of bread to revamp the rest of your school year. What can you spend more time doing? What can you drop or postpone or maybe get rid of altogether for the rest of the school year so you can focus on your fish and loaves that God has given you to work with? It was after this meltdown, encouragement from God's word, and my husband's pep talk that I realized I really needed to just keep it simple. I needed to bring it down to the bare minimum. I didn't need to feed 5,000 people. I just needed to emotionally, spiritually, and mentally feed two little people. I didn't need boxes and boxes of curriculum or diplomas on my wall, or, and I didn't need to be gifted at everything I was teaching the kids. I just needed a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish in my basket, Jesus at my side, and maybe a very large espresso machine or coffee in my hand, <laughs> and God would do the heavy lifting and the majority of the work. In my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God, I share ways to apply the Sabbath principle and the simplification principle in our lives, homes, and homeschooling. Now, because my brain likes lists and mnemonics and alliteration, I made a little acronym out of the word simplify to help me simplify our life. Each letter of the acronym, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-Y, or the word simplify, corresponds to different reminders or commands that I gave myself. In my book, Just Breathe, I have different reminders and commands for each letter. But for our conference, I wanted to update it to make it more post-COVID relatable. So part of what I'm sharing can be found in the book, and part of it is brand new. So here goes. The first letter in the acronym of Simplify is the letter S. S stands for Seek First the Kingdom of God. You know, I hate when I spill my coffee. It's such a waste, but it's also a great reminder when I do spill it. Why do I spill the coffee? Well, because someone bumped into me, right? Wrong. I spilled the coffee because there was coffee in my cup. Had there have been tea in my cup, I would have spilled tea. You see, whatever's inside my cup is what's going to spill out. So how can we apply this to our life? When life comes along and shakes us up, which it happens all the time, whatever is inside of me will spill out. It's easy to fake it till I make it until I get rattled. So I have to ask myself, what's in my cup? With what are you filling your cup? When life gets tough, what spills out? Is it joy, gratefulness, peace, and humility? <laughs> or is it anger, bitterness, harsh words, and maybe inappropriate reactions? God gives us our cup. It's up to us how we choose to fill it. God promises us in Psalm 23, 5 through 6, My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And Jesus promised the Samaritan woman, The water I give you will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So whatever we fill our cup with is what will spill out 
onto those around us. So I ask again, what are you filling your cup with? Where's your energy source coming from? We need to fill our cup with the love of Jesus, God's word, God's past faithfulness, and the fruits of the Spirit. We need to tap into the Holy Spirit power source. And the best way to do this is to seek first the kingdom of God. The best way to simplify our lives and homeschooling is to start with God. We need to fill up so our cup isn't empty or so it's not filled with the wrong things when it spills out. The best way to do this is to start each day in God's word. You can use a commercially created Bible study or devotional books, but I find my good old-fashioned Bible is really all I need. I try to read chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and the enemy hates it when we carve out time to start our day with the Lord. He hates it when we seek first the kingdom of God, so he will try to distract us. So this is why I keep my to-do list next to me as I do my Bible study. As things pop into my head, I know that they're either a distraction from the enemy to stop me from reading my Bible, or it's a prompting from the Holy Spirit about something he wants me to do that day, or a person I need to minister to, or maybe a task that God wants me to complete. Not only should we seek first the kingdom in our personal quiet time, but our family devotions should be done before our schoolwork too. It should be the first thing we do. Don't save prayer time or family devotions for after your lessons. Start the morning and the school day with God's word. Worshiping together and praying together is just as important or even more important than those math facts, grammar drills, and spelling words. God promises if you seek first the kingdom, his will for your day, and all these things will be added. Now, the best way to simplify your home and homeschooling is to set your priorities. So seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Start your day with prayer, and end your day with prayer. Keeping your eyes on Jesus and focusing on what's truly important is the number one way to simplify your life. Okay, the next letter in the acronym of simplify is the letter I. I stands for invite people into your life. Invite others along for the adventure. Include your hubby the grandparents, especially if they don't agree with your homeschooling decision. Invite those aunts and uncles and cousins. Make sure you join a support group or an adventure outdoor club. Join a co-op that meets weekly or monthly to learn together. Be intentional about including mentors like youth group leaders and coaches, teachers, and friends of the family who can speak truth and life into your child, especially when they're in middle or in high school. Find a group that has park days and then make a commitment to go to park days. Our co-op calls our park days Fellowship Fridays because they're just as much for the moms as they are for the kids. Join a women's Bible study or even better, join Bible studies like BSF that include Bible lessons for the kids too. Join a prayer group with other moms and don't say you can't because of COVID. You need to invite others into your life, your schooling, and your home, especially now because of COVID. Trust me, there's so much you can do even if you are in a perpetual lockdown like we are in California. You can start your own co-op, or you can plan weekly playdates or book clubs with small groups of friends. You can go on monthly hikes or explore the great outdoors with a few like-minded friends. Set up boundaries and take advantage of mom time like this weekend. 
It's important our kids have friend time, but it's also super important that moms also have time with friends and other moms. Go to your mom night outs, attend weekends like this. Go on a coffee date with one dear friend. Make inviting others into this homeschooling journey with you a priority. And most important, now listen up mamas, be transparent and be willing to ask those for help. Invite others into your life and your homeschooling for fellowship, for support, and for help. God didn't design us to do life alone. He sent his disciples out two by two. He gave Moses Aaron. He gave Martha Mary. Peter had his brother Andrew. David had Jonathan. And Naomi had Ruth. Where two are gathered in his name, he is there also. And Solomon reminds us that, and one standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I don't know if you've ever read the message version, but I love it. It says, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. So mamas, another great way to simplify your life and your homeschooling is to invite others along for the adventure. Now, the next letter in the acronym of simplify is the letter M. M stands for mission statement. Make sure you start this homeschooling journey with the end in mind. Make sure you start each day with an end goal in mind. Let me ask you this. In 20 years, what words do you want your children to use to describe their homeschooling experience? Now picture them hanging out in a dorm room or gathered around a meeting table at work and their roommate or coworker finds out in the conversation that they were homeschooled. When your daughter's roommate says, oh, you were homeschooled? Or your son's coworker asks with curiosity, wow, what was that like? What three words do you hope they will use to describe you, your home, and their homeschooling experience? Start with these three words and work backwards. If you don't know where you're going, you'll definitely end up someplace you didn't want to be. So plan with the end in mind. So what are your ultimate goals for your kids? Why do you even want to homeschool in the first place? This is what guides you in all of your decisions as you homeschool. Now, the DeFrancisco mission statement goes something like this. At the end of our homeschooling journey, we want our children to love the Lord, love each other and those that God puts in our path, and love learning. So one of my three words is love. The other two words I hope that they use to describe our homeschooling are the words literature and laughter. I hope my children develop a love of literature, especially a love for God's word. I hope they remember all the read aloud times that included snuggles and giggles and me usually crying when we finished a book. I hope they cherish all of our time in God's word and our family read aloud time and so much so that they continue this tradition with their own family one day. I hope they carry those friendships they made while reading classic books into adulthood, and I really hope the places we read about inspires them to go and explore them for themselves. I also hope and pray they remember our house was a happy place. Well, at least for the most part. <laughs> I hope they remember all of the laughing and inside jokes and the really bad puns and my obnoxious, uncontrollable laughter. I hope laughter is a word they use to describe their homeschooling experience as they remember all the games we played and all the adventures we went on. 
My prayer is that when we come to the end of our homeschooling journey, which will be in a couple of months, <laughs> my children will have the courage and curiosity to go out into the world, but will have the desire and longing to come back home. And you know what I mean by come back home. Visit me with the grandkids, not to live with me. <laughs> I hope and pray their memories are filled with so much love and support that they not only know they can always come back home, but that they want to come back home and share their lives with us. So what are your three words? Write them down. Use them to guide you. Use these three words on your really bad days too. So on your really bad days, go back to the basics and the reasons you're homeschooling. Spend the day only doing these three things. If you're surrounded by chaos, just keep eliminating things one by one until the peace finally returns in the home. Since my three words were love, laughter, and literature, on those really bad days, we only read God's word and did family devotions. We did some read-alouds from a great book. We played games to get the giggles going. And we did lots and lots of service around the house and for each other to get those love juices flowing again. I concentrate only on my main goals on those really hectic days. And let's be honest, nothing is really going to be accomplished on those really bad days anyway. So you have nothing to lose by eliminating all the lessons and your must-dos. Now, remember, love before lessons, smile before speaking, connections before curriculum, check hearts before checking lists. Our priorities should be heaven, not Harvard, relationships, not scholarships, character, not curriculum, and this last one, mom, is for you, not the kids, progress over perfection. So the best way to simplify your home and homeschooling is to create a mission statement that has the end in mind. Write it down, use it each year to plan, use it each week to teach, use it each day to set priorities, and then stick to it. All right, the next letter in our acronym SIMPLIFY is the letter P. P stands for put home back into your homeschool. And this is extremely important, especially now with distance learning and online classes. The best way to put home back into your homeschooling is to get back to learning as a family. Being segregated into different rooms of the house with unrelated segmented lessons, all being completed on different computer screens is not taking advantage of one of the greatest gifts of homeschooling, which is learning together. Don't let a Zoom schedule dictate your day, your calendar, or your goals. Trust me, you can live without online classes, and there's no need to take outside classes every single day for every single subject. Mamas, you are the experts. Did you hear me? You are the expert. You may not be a phys physicist. You may not be a math expert. You may not be a concert pianist. But you are an expert when it comes to your child. No one knows your child like you do. No one loves your child like you do. No one wants your child to succeed more than you. There are no credentials better than that. So what if you barely graduated from homeschool or you never went to college? And so what if you happen to have a PhD in astrophysics or a doctorate in philosophy? You can teach your child to write. Yes, you can teach your child how to multiply. And yes, you can even teach your child how to read. If you get stuck, do what everyone else does, including public school teachers. Ask Siri. Google it, 
watch a TED Talk, listen to a podcast, or watch a YouTube video. Just learn alongside your kiddos. Less computer and screen time is always best for everyone. I was cut to the core one day when my son was little, and someone asked him, so what does your mommy do? His response was, she works on the computer. Ouch, right? But it was so true. Now, everyone is on the computer because of Zoom and online learning. I've talked about this several times in different podcasts, but the best way to put the home back into your homeschooling is to learn as much as you can as a family. One of the biggest blessings of homeschooling is learning together as a family. Even if your family is large with a wide range of ages, it really is doable. Take advantage of the old schoolhouse approach that God has given you in your home. Learn history and science and art and music and even writing together. Learn about the same topics. Read together some of the same chapter books. Play games together. Do some of the same projects together. Go on the same field trips together. And then you can have your older students help the younger ones. Give your older students harder or more challenging books to read, assignments to do, and essays to write. Just as long as you're doing everything else as a family. Have the little ones, quote unquote, teach the older kids about what they're learning. Little ones love to have a captive audience. Get shorter and easier picture books to read to your little ones while your older ones are working on their independent stuff. Aim for the older students when you're teaching as a family and teach at her level. Trust me, the little ones will come along for the ride and pick up way more than you think along the way. And you always have time to go and backtrack and cover something again when the little ones are older. Make sure you are home enough to learn as a family and to not be rushed all the time. But don't think it's like this COVID stuck at home stuff. You don't want to seclude yourself 24-7 for the entire school year like we had to last year. You do need to get out. (laughs) Tons of learning takes place outside of the home. But what I am saying is if you want to simplify your life, your home, and your homeschooling, then be intentional about guarding your mornings. Be intentional about being home more than you're out. And be intentional about learning as much as you can as a family. Now, the next letter in our acronym of Simplify is my favorite, the letter L. L stands for less is more because simple is always better. I know, what a paradox, right? but it's true. Now, I usually follow my own advice at the beginning of each year. I purchase a simple math workbook or program. I make a list of read-alouds I want to read with the family to help us learn about history and the science topics we'll cover. I get a few new journals or notebooks for our journal writing, and I collect some fun writing prompts to use each week. I tab off a section in the notebook for our spelling words, and I replenish our sheet protectors, dry erase markers, and black line maps for our map work. Pretty simple, right? We've got math, reading, writing, history, science, and geography covered. And we start off the year pretty well. The first week goes okay, but one child is already struggling with fractions. So what do I do? I search Amazon for hours for a few more fraction games to play, and maybe a specific math workbook I can add that focuses just on fractions. Now, my daughter is already bored with the history topic we're studying, so I start searching Pinterest for cool projects and arts and crafts we can do hoping this will get her more excited about Mesopotamia. So I add all of these ideas to what I was already going to do. Then, at our first park day, 
a few moms start talking about this really great new spelling program that they're using this year. And I start to feel guilty that we're only focusing on their spelling words they miss all the time. So I start to second guess my gut that personal spelling lists are what my kids really need this year. But my friends really seem to love this new program. So I go home and I buy it in two different levels, one for my son and one for my daughter. And we add that on top of our personal spelling lessons. Then another month goes by and my daughter's best friend comes over and starts talking about the science project she's doing for science fair. And I start sweating. We're focusing on astronomy this year, but her friend who's in the same grade in public school is learning about magnets and electricity. What if my daughter is missing out on something? So I add some magnet and electricity activities to our science studies too. So now we're doing astronomy experiments and magnet experiments each week. I think you see where I'm going with this. By November, my son doesn't have any of the states and capitals memorized yet, so I search YouTube for videos and songs for him to learn on top of all the map work we were already doing and all the games we were already playing. Every day, I'm a bit more rushed to get everything done because we never seem to finish all of our schoolwork. And in my rush, rush mentality, I'm stressing out the kids. So now everyone's feeling rushed and stressed, and we're all about to explode. When started out as a simple plan, but a good plan, filled with good literature, writing opportunities, age-appropriate math lessons, and activities to do as a family, I turned into a scope-and-sequence nightmare that even the California Board of Education wouldn't want to use. Every year, I add more and more things to do and study and classes to take until everyone is miserable. When moms come home from traditional school, they're usually thrown off by all this extra time they have on their hands. Moms feel like their kids aren't doing enough because they're finishing their schoolwork before lunchtime. How come it took their kids eight hours to do schoolwork when they were in school, but now that they're home, it only takes one to three hours? They start thinking, I must be doing something wrong, or maybe I'm not giving them enough to do. The biggest mistake you can make is trying to replicate school at home. You'll waste precious time. You'll definitely kill any desire your child has to learn. You will squash their ego, stress them out, and bore them to tears. So instead of looking at your day and your week as how many pages did we get done, how many lessons did we get through, and how many hours did we work, look at what you accomplished instead. Ask yourself these simple questions. Today, did we read something, write something, create something, explore something? Did we move, rest, worship? solve a problem of some kind, and care for our home and each other. On the grand scheme of things, if you had an opportunity to do these nine things during your day, then you actually did quite a lot. Okay, let's talk about how to do less at each grade level. Let's start with kindergarten. First of all, kindergarten isn't even required here in California, so there's no need to even do a formal year of kindergarten. Just play and have fun. And use workbooks only if they ask for them. And if your kindergartner has an older sibling, they will probably want to do school like their older brother and sister, so you might want to pick up a few cute little workbooks. Remember, play is the work of childhood, so make sure you give your child time to play, to explore, to imagine, to create, and to be bored. Yes, boredom breeds creativity. Less book work equals more playtime and free time. Now, from first to eighth grade is when you work on the basics. And what I mean by that is really the three R's. Every day, read aloud, write something, play with numbers. 
Lincoln once said, all I learned, I learned from books. Remember, most kids will learn to read not because of us, but in spite of us. When Lincoln had less than one year of formal education growing up, he was asked how he learned so much. His response was, the Bible was my main reading book. The best reading, writing, and spelling program you can give your kids is to read, read, and read some more. You won't need formal vocabulary workbooks, spelling curriculums, and writing classes if your child's day is full of great stories with great vocabulary. And don't forget about the conversations. Talk about everything. Bring up the news. Talk about Sunday sermon. Share what everyone's reading. Talk about the movies you're watching and the choices that their friends are making. Boy, do those make for great conversations. And utilize narration as the main part of your writing and reading instruction. Narration is simple. It helps kids organize their thoughts, to put things in their own words, and to make sense of what they've read or what they've seen. It's a vital part of understanding, and it's super easy and super cheap to do. Copy work is also a super easy and inexpensive way to teach spelling, grammar, handwriting, and punctuation rules. Just keep it simple, Mama. They can be more formal writing and literature analysis when they're in high school. Now, the same goes for math, too, in K through 7th grade. Just keep it simple. Daily practice is the key, no matter what program, curriculum, or methodology you decide to use. And you don't need to do hours and hours of math a day. A page of problems a day is enough. A 20-minute lesson with a few practice problems is good. And if they aren't frustrated or confused at the end of the 20 minutes, then try to do a few more. When it comes to math, slow and steady wins the race. Why? Because traditional math curriculums repeat the same concepts year after year. The majority of lessons and problems are just review anyway. Now, if you focus on these math concepts at each grade level, I promise your child will be ready for Algebra 1 when he hits high school. So pre-K and kindergarten. Work on recognizing numbers, counting, and shapes. In first and second grade, master addition and subtraction. In third and fourth grade, master multiplication and division, which also includes a little bit of area and perimeter. In fifth and sixth grade, master those fractions, decimals, percents, and ratios. That's all you need to concentrate on in fifth and sixth grade, fractions, decimals, percents, and ratios. Then in seventh and eighth grade, work on positive numbers and negative numbers, solving some simple equations, and using those geometry formulas. Then, once they get to high school, they'll be set if they have those things mastered. So in high school, really, they need Algebra 1 and just one other math. Now, if your student wants to pursue a career that utilizes math, then go ahead and do Geometry, Algebra 2, and probably even Pre-Calculus if he has an aptitude for it. But if your teen plans on pursuing a career that's not full of math, then after they do Algebra 1 and some other math, then personal finance and business math, like starting their own business, are both great alternatives to traditional math courses. And get help if or when needed or for accountability. Remember, relationships over rules. If your child is not getting a concept, he may not be ready for it, so just take a break from it and come back to it in a few months. I promise he won't get a lower score on his SAT if he skips a few days of math. Less is more is true for all the other academic subjects too. Read your way through history. 
experience history, go on field trips and family vacations, do science, get messy, stretch yourself, pick one area to study each year, spend one whole year doing nature studies, learn about animals and plants you see, and yes, robotics and Legos count for spatial problem solving and scientific thinking. So if you're really serious about simplifying your homeschooling and reclaiming your schedules, then adopt the mindset of less is more. Okay, the next letter in our acronym of simplify is the letter I. I stands for ignite their passions and whet their appetites. My new favorite word is strewing. The dictionary defines strewing as to spread or to scatter. So picture your home environment as a place for much strewing. Some of us already do this without realizing it. I have stuff, not necessarily school stuff, strewed about everywhere. My husband calls it a mess. I call it strewing. Adopt the art of strewing to ignite your children's passions and to whet their appetites. Scatter around your house great books, beautiful pictures, art supplies, craft supplies, games, music, you name it. Just put a few new things on the coffee table. Don't say a word. Don't call it school for sure. And just leave it there. Someone will eventually pick it up and will begin to explore it. That's what strewing is all about. If strewing also means to spread, consider your homeschooling and home environment as a feast that's spread out for the heart, mind, and soul. We're feeding their minds with the things we share with them. When we strew, they are feasting on good books, beautiful artwork, beautiful music, and truths of God's word. Strewing is also a way to search for the spark. God knitted each of our children together. He knows exactly what your child will love and will be passionate about. He knows what his gifts and strengths will be and how your child can use these passions and gifts for the kingdom of God. Strewing is a way to spark their curiosity, ignite their passions, and whet their appetites for goodness, beauty, and truth. I love Sally Clarkson and everything she writes, but one of my new favorite books is her new book called Awakening Wonder. It's full of ways to do less to gain more, ways to ignite passions, whet appetites, spark curiosities, and yes, awaken wonder in your child. Some of the best ways to ignite a child's passion is to volunteer somewhere. Let your children spend just as much time pursuing their passions as they do on their bookwork. And this includes you too, mamas. Teach them life skills. These are just as important as math facts and spelling words. Let them help you in the family business. The best place to ignite passions is to get out in the world. Go outside. Make sure unstructured playtime is just as much of a priority as your science and grammar lessons. And feeling guilty about letting them play outside for hours or ditching school one day to enjoy the sunshine or the break in weather? Don't feel guilty. Read instead The Last Child in Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder by Richard Louvre. Then go ahead and buy a copy for a friend. Get it on Audible and listen to it while you're working in the garden or going for a walk. Then, after you read that one, get your hands on Ainsley Aramid's book, The Call of the Wild and Free. It's awesome. Then, if you still have time, read 10 Ways to Destroy Your Child's Imagination. Between these three books and Awakening Wonder by Sally Clarkson, you will be an expert at strewing. Let the mess go. Well, you know, unless it interferes with your sanity, your kid's thinking, and your husband's nerves. 
One of the best ways to simplify your life, home, and homeschooling is to spend less time structuring every minute and every lesson. Let their natural curiosity and innate ability to learn take over most of your lesson planning book. Open the doors and let them out to play. Open the doors to their minds by strewing good and beautiful things all around them. Okay, we're almost done. The next letter in the acronym of simplify is the letter F. F stands for flexibility and fun. So let's get one thing straight. First of all, I am not a flexible person. I'm about as flexible mentally as I am physically. I hate change. I like check boxes. I love plans and schedules. So being flexible is a skill that God had to teach me. Mamas, don't let your curriculum be your master. Don't be a slave to your teacher's guide. You know, it's called a guide for a reason. There's no reason you have to follow everything it says and do every activity it suggests. It's a guide. It's there to help you, not control you. And don't be afraid to switch curriculums either. Stay with the program for at least one semester and then reevaluate in January. At this point, if it still isn't working or it's causing more stress than good, then drop it. And don't spend a lot of money on curriculum either. It will just cause you guilt when you feel the Holy Spirit is tugging you to try something else. There were many times I should have just dropped something, but because I knew how expensive it was and how much I spent money on it, I pushed through it even though it wasn't working. Instead, test and try out different programs first. Borrow some from a friend or buy it used. You know, God started working out my flexibility muscles when it was obvious that Joe had the gift of dyslexia and dysgraphia. The things that always worked with my daughter and other students I had taught over the years, they just weren't working with Joe. I knew I needed a new plan. I needed a new plan of attack. And sometimes that plan even changed day by day and sometimes hour by hour. I think if I would have kept teaching the way I learned and the way I thought was best, I'm almost positive I would have ruined my relationship with my son, and I certainly would have ruined his self-image and confidence in the process. Joe did need to change. The way we approach school and his schoolwork, that's what needed to change. Now you know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. If life gives you melons, well, you might just be dyslexic. I'll just let that sit there for a while. You'll get it eventually. It's okay if something doesn't work out. Through Joe's dyslexia, God was showing me that he had a better plan for Joe. You and I just need the courage to accept the new plan and have the humility to not always do things our way. Remember, if plan A doesn't work, there are 25 other letters in the alphabet to try. And don't forget to have fun. Play games. Go on field trips, have dance parties and tea parties, play in the dirt and make mud pies, have a water fight or pillow fight, build forts or sleep in a tent. One of the best ways to simplify your life, home, and homeschool is to remember we teach children, not curriculum. Flex your muscles. Try to be a little bit more flexible and don't forget to have fun. Homeschooling really is fun, I promise. Okay, the final letter in our acronym of simplify is the letter Y. Y stands for the word yet. If we want to really simplify our lives, home, and homeschooling, we need to start using the word yet. 
Okay, so there's a little story behind this. My daughter has a degree in psychology, and as you know from last night, she plans to pursue a master's and maybe even a PhD in clinical psychology. She is also one of the most optimistic people I know, and she's definitely a glass half full kind of a girl. She's also my biggest cheerleader and my biggest encourager. Now, I tend to put myself down a lot, and I make jokes about how I sound, what I do, and how I look. Now that she's an adult, she gently corrects and chastises me when I make these negative comments. One day, I was in the kitchen, and I was frustrated with this computer and website issue that I was having. In my very irate voice, which comes up a lot when I'm working on the computer, I blurted out, I can't get technology to work for me. She walked up behind me and just gently said, yet. I looked at her like she had two heads and said, come again. She repeated, mom, you can't get technology to work for you yet. This little tiny word changed my negative thoughts and weaknesses into a promising goal. I may not be able to fix the website on my own yet, but eventually I will. I'll figure it out and master this technology one day. I just haven't mastered it yet. She also reminded me of two important verses. With God, all things are possible, and he who has begun a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Now the technology and computer issue is very trivial to some of the issues that we face as wives, moms, teachers, and siblings. But I think it makes the point. If we put yet behind all the things we can't do or haven't accomplished yet, then it turns our failures into goals. It reminds us that God is not finished with us, and certainly he isn't finished with our children yet. Now, of course, my son told me I was taking this a bit too far when I would sing horribly off-key in the car and then tell him I just wasn't a good singer yet. I'm still working on my singing, but I think the boy might be right. So start simplifying your life by learning to say, we haven't finished that lesson yet. We haven't got to that assignment yet. You haven't mastered your scales, honey, yet. I'm not an organized person yet. It's a very simple word with powerful biblical promises behind it. Now, as we finish up our last session of this weekend, let me finish by reminding you of your ultimate job as a mother and homeschooling mom. Your God-given job is to be a faithful disciple, not a phenomenal teacher or a perfect mom. So let me say that again. Your God-given job is to be a faithful disciple, not a phenomenal teacher or a perfect mom. So simplify your life and your homeschooling. Remember to seek first the kingdom of God, invite others along the homeschooling adventure with you, start with the end in mind by creating a mission statement, Put the home and family back into your homeschooling. Adopt the less is more mindset. Ignite passions and whet their appetites by sparking their curiosities. Be flexible and have fun. And add the word yet at the end of your statements as you learn right alongside your kids. God doesn't want perfection, mamas. He just wants faithful disciples. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. I hope you enjoyed our simplification principle, how to use it in your homeschooling session from our mom's conference a few weeks ago. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org. 
We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out my new book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast and this session with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week, or share it with a friend who's looking for ways to simplify her life in homeschooling. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie podcast and then take a few minutes to leave a little review. In the podcast world, it's all about the algorithm. The more activity, ratings, reviews, and subscribers that Coffee with Carrie has on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music, the more our podcast is recommended by those service to other moms. So thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschooling mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our new book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.